New Winnipeg head coach Rick Bonus wasn't making a ton of preseason promises at the time he was hired. However, he did keep his word because he said Winnipeg would be a playoff team. The troops under Bonus's tutelage made arriving at the promised destination dicey, still landing just above the playoff cutoff, limping in whereas Winnipeg GM Kevin Sheveldayoff gave a resounding over vote of confidence of his constructed roster at the trade deadline to the bewildered local media. Yet Winnipeg was a last into the Western Conference stance playoff team indeed. First round series and quickest team to exit the playoffs was Winnipeg, a tidy five-game dusting by the Western Conference regular season winning Vegas Golden Knights. Coach bonus on record but days after backtracking on calling the team's effort disgusting. The exit meetings turning more into sounding like the Chevy made group were all pondering career relocations as opposed to taking accountability. And 40 minutes of the GM saying essentially nothing that, well, I get you can't talk contracts. You can indicate who the hell you hope does stay that will need new deals to do so. Like the now uncertainty in how goalie Connor Hellebuck is the team's backbone to be relevant and re-upping him is from an organizational standpoint a missed opportunity. Yes, it was still going to be Hellebuck's choice, but the crickets at the season-ending GM Sheveldale Presser as it relates to a vision or the team's core was in keeping with how out to lunch with the Winnipeg market True North Sports and Entertainment is. Competitiveness equals ticket sales and the sacrifices a small market Winnipeg fan base made have limits when the organization drops a thin ice veiled threat to fill the seats rather than give true transparency. If, for example, Winnipeg does have it tough signing free agent players, why trade away Andrew Kopp who wanted to stay? How about saying you went after a big name like Timo Meyer? I'm not sure they did, but the deal was quashed by the said player. It's at least honest, transparent. Look, St. Louis defenseman Justin Falk at least admits he doesn't even like playing in Canada on an American visiting team. Never mind for a Canadian team. Falk, also even playing for U.S.-based only teams in his career at age 31, hasn't sipped from Lord Stanley. In fact, 38 postseason games played total compared to the 842 regular season game played career totals. There still are only 32 NHL teams. The players are paid in U.S. funds. And while you talk tax-free states, what about cost of living? There are trade-offs. Winning will get you players to want to come and play. And Winnipeg's only GM with one Final Four appearance since relocation is said to have to make hard choices this offseason. Or the players are making them for him. Whereas last summer, with his team missing the playoffs, those expected moves didn't materialize. And I pause. I could pull up any five-year-ago to last summer take after the decor exodus of 2017-18's conference final appearance and the team's real regression from there. True North Sports and Entertainment has given the GM the vote of confidence to fix his roster construction that under his guidance of the new coach with the most games behind an NHL bench in NHL history has made known what's absolutely required. Roster change. I pause because GM Sheveldayoff hasn't shown he can fix the roster. Therefore, the regression path is likely the course regardless of who the coach is. I have all day for Rick Bonus. I think Winnipeg learned this year that former coach Paul Maurice also did the best with what he was given by the GM. 
The move more fans will want is a GM capable of returning a revamped Winnipeg Core to Stanley Cup contender status again. True North Sports and Entertainment's move instead was to keep the GM and threaten to move the whole team. Winnipeg's current model, a playoff team in a Canadian market, like all of them for decades, just want to be a cup contender worthy one. A playoff team and PS Winnipeg, open your pocketbooks and be thankful you have an NHL team. Want to play in the NHL? Winnipeg has 23 NHLPA jobs here. How's that for a new slogan? Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. Now, at season start, I did not pick Winnipeg to be a playoff team. St. Louis came undone, but I did indicate that if a team were to drop, St. Louis in the division could. And I'm saying that because it's a good warning sign story for Winnipeg's upcoming offseason. Secondly, Winnipeg's playoff berth, in addition to St. Louis's struggles, also required at least one more Central Division team to underachieve below expectations, as Nashville evidently did just enough. I'm not of the hockey school belief just to get into the dance and anything can happen. Florida be damned. How you go into the postseason in most cases is reflective of the stretch drive. Winnipeg 6-4-0 in the last 10, but also a team that for a brief time was ahead of Dallas for the division title lead in the first half of the year and in the second half of the season completely underperformed. But Winnipeg did enough to be playoff bound above the cutoff. And in the parody of the present Cap NHL, an upset can happen where an eight seed knocks off the first seed, but it's former Winnipeg backup Vegas goalie Laurent Brassois who outplayed Winnipeg starter goalie Connor Hellebuck. But it's also a Vegas team better constructed top to bottom that through that series took control of it. Vegas now Stanley Cup champion crowned were even up 3 nothing to Dallas, but the Stars at least forced the series versus the Knights deeper than Winnipeg did. We'll unpack that five-game quick hitter in this Winnipeg Focus Team podcast, then look at the challenges Winnipeg faces to be a playoff team next year. Here's the Winnipeg game recaps for the first round series loss to Vegas. Game 1, Winnipeg 5-1 road win over Vegas. The big takeaways, the Jets, Stars, Kyle Connor, and Pierre-Luc Dubois show up, and Winnipeg puts together a solid game that has Adam Lowry's third-period pair of goals provide an explanation point. Winnipeg, with a 31-17 shot and goal advantage, also makes Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck's night a light one, but as notable is Vegas's. Jack Eichel gets his first taste of playoff hockey quietly, and Mark Stone shows his rust in his first game since January 12 as well. In fact, through the playoffs, it's a long time Vegas had been down a game, not even or ahead in a series. 
short-lived stat. Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck denies Vegas's Brett Howden's point-blank in the slot after the Vegas forecheck created a prime scoring chance 2 minutes 46 seconds into the series. 49 seconds to the first midpoint, it's Vegas goalie Laurent Brassois stopping Winnipeg's Morgan Barron in the slot and keeping out the net front scramble that falls. After a scoreless first, a minute 24 seconds into the second, Winnipeg's Kyle Connors 1T blocker slide slot goal open scoring as Pierre-Luc Dubois goes down the wall to then provide the dish. A minute 2 seconds after Winnipeg's Dubois short side off the rush goal adds to it. Vegas's William Carlson's off-the-rush roof glove side goal with 4 minutes 11 seconds left in the middle frame cuts the lead. 2-1 Winnipeg through 2. 3 minutes 53 seconds into the third, Winnipeg's Blake Wheelers off the cycle high slot backhand goal eludes Vegas goalie Brassois and restores Winnipeg's two-goal lead. That holds until Winnipeg's Adam Lowry's breakaway empty net goal on a flip pass from the Winnipeg defensive zone with a minute 21 seconds left in the game for his first of the game. A minute 2 seconds after Winnipeg's Lowry's off the rush short side lifted power play goal going to the net for his second of the game completes the goal getting game two winnipeg 5-2 road loss to vegas the big takeaways is vegas's big time players turn William Carlson nets another. Jack Eichel gets his first of his career in the playoffs. And Mark Stone adds a pair to pace Vegas after a slow start to tie the series. Winnipeg's big guns go quiet. With Adam Lowry's start of the series, a bright spot. Winnipeg defensively unprepared for Vegas turning it up through the last 40. Have goalie Connor Hellebuck at more than double the shots on goal against from Game 1. In fact, his 34 saves exactly double, but also 5 goals against on 39 shots on goal. Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellebuck tracks across slot 1T Vegas power play chance from Chandler Stevenson making a stellar glove save 5 minutes 25 seconds into the first. 42 seconds to the first midpoint. Winnipeg's Adam Lowry's high slot tip power play goal open scoring on Neil Pionk's point wrister. Vegas goalie Laurent Bassois makes a huge stop on Winnipeg's Kyle Connor and tight at the first midpoint and a slot rebound save on Connor 46 seconds later to keep it 1-0 Winnipeg after 20. 5 minutes 54 seconds into the second Vegas's William Carlson's club side slot goal as Vegas wins the loose puck battle to tie it up before Vegas goes up on Jack Eichel's first postseason career goal a slot tip off and Alex Petrangelo point shot 25 seconds after the game's midpoint Winnipeg's Kevin Stenland's off the rush reaches with one hand on his stick to chip a backhanded goal roof glove to even it with three minutes 59 seconds left in the second two all through 40 Vegas pulls away in the third potting three unanswered Vegas's Chandler Stevenson's rebound slot goal off of Vegas offensive zone faceoff win with five minutes 37 seconds into the third and in the back half Winnipeg born Vegas's Mark Stone's top of the paint tap goal finishing off of Vegas three on two provides insurance with six minutes 59 seconds left in the third Vegas finalizes scoring with two and a half minutes to go as Stone collects his second of the game off the four check as he joins late puts it off Winnipeg defenseman Nate Schmidt's stick blocker side on Winnipeg goalie Hellebuck Game 3, Winnipeg 5-4, overtime home loss to Vegas. The big takeaways, Vegas stormed the whiteout and threw two, looking complete control up 4-1. Winnipeg mounts a comeback in the third, even while losing all-star top D-man, Josh Morrissey, four minutes into the first, and he did not play the rest of the series. However, Vegas gets the overtime game-winning goal in the second period of extra play. Winnipeg's slow start, counter to the team's battle to get back even and play extra time, but the results 
fall short, and Vegas, despite the dramatics, begin to really roll. The overtime loss also had Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellbuck face 48 shots on goal, making 43 saves, 13 more than required by Vegas goalie Laurent Persuas, who did come away with his Knights, the victors. Two minutes 52 seconds into the first, Vegas's Chandler Stevenson's short side glove side goal off the rush, open scoring using Winnipeg defenseman Nate Schmidt as a screen. Vegas's Jack Eichel short side blocker side power play goal from the dot, three minutes 26 seconds after extends the Vegas start. Winnipeg's Kyle Connors high slot flyby tip goal off the cycle and a Dylan DeMello point shot cuts into the lead 53 seconds to the first midpoint. 2-1 Vegas after one. Vegas's Eichel second goal of the game, again a 1-T power play goal fade away from the dot 46 seconds past the game's midpoint part of a two goal Vegas middle stanza Brandon Manitoba board Keegan Colsar's pad rebound backhanded goal going to the net with two minutes 15 seconds left in the second puts Vegas up four to one after two two minutes four seconds into the third Winnipeg's Nito Niederreiter finds the area code with his short side roof goal from the circle off the rush Winnipeg's Mark Shifley's top a circle far side glove power play goal for his first of the playoffs comes with five minutes 52 seconds left to make it a one goal game winnipeg's adam lowry's team leading fourth goal in that front with 22 seconds left forces extra time as winnipeg complete the comeback three minutes 40 seconds into the second overtime vegas's michael amadio's slot roof glove side goal is a game winner after ivan barbashez causes a winnipeg defensive zone turnover on the vegas forecheck Game 4, Winnipeg 4-2 home loss to Vegas. The big takeaways, it's Mark Shifley. Winnipeg loses to an upper body injury in the first of Game 4. Vegas puts together a solid world effort and have Oak Bank, Manitoba-born Brett Howden's two goals bookend the Vegas scoring and a two-goal second period that proved to be the difference despite Winnipeg getting both its goals on special teams and going 2-for-2 on the power play. Two minutes, 30 seconds into the first, Winnipeg's Mark Shifley's backhander is denied off the rush in all alone by Vegas goalie Laurent Persuas, and Shife trips over the Vegas tender's stick and crashes hard into the end boards awkwardly. Five minutes, 53 seconds into the first, Winnipeg's Blake Wheeler's circle to just above the dot for a far side blocker power play goal opens scoring. Four minutes after, Vegas's Brett Howden's roof glove goal evens it as he gets his rebound in the slot after off the rush Winnipeg defenseman Neil Pionk blocks the first shot attempt, 1-0 after 20. In the back half of the second, Vegas's William Carlson's top of the paint and off his skate five-hole goal, no kicking motion, with six minutes, 28 seconds left in the second, puts Vegas up. 47 seconds after, Vegas's Ivan Barbashev's inner circle slot tip goal on a top of circle Shea Theodore shot extends Vegas's lead to a pair, 3-1 Vegas through 40. Two minutes, 57 seconds into the third, Winnipeg's Pierre-Luc Dubois' net side deflection power play goal goes up and in the crease and ends up somehow in the Vegas net to make it a one-goal game, but Vegas's Howden's partial breakaway empty net goal with 17 seconds left concludes the scoring and prevents a Winnipeg comeback as Vegas takes both road games in Winnipeg. Game 5, Winnipeg 4-1 road loss to Vegas. The big takeaways, Vegas bury the dagger in a convincing home win, starting on time and building a 4-0 lead through the dominant first 40 minutes of play. Winnipeg sees the return of forward Nick Ehlers while trying to avoid elimination and tried to rally late, but can only muster a goal playing 6-on-5 for most the last 10 minutes of play with Vegas already putting the game out of reach. For Winnipeg goalie, Vegas' Lauren Persuas. 
ends up making 29 saves with one goal against as he helps lead Vegas to round two at the expense of his former team. Winnipeg coach Rick Bonus's short post-game presser doesn't just stir the team's exit meetings days later. It was as if Bones spiked the proceedings based on the lack of effort perceived in his team's play facing elimination. 50 seconds into the first, Vegas's Chandler Stevenson's net side tap goal going to the net off the cycle, open scoring. 1-0 Vegas after 1. 42 seconds into the second, Vegas's Mark Stone's glove side backhanded goal off a failed Winnipeg defensive zone clear with a nice deep pinch to keep it in by Alex Petrangelo that begins a three-goal Vegas second frame. A second shy of four minutes after, Vegas's William Carlson's net side short side goal getting lost in the Winnipeg D-zone coverage for his fourth of the series. Vegas goalie Laurent Brassois slides back into his net for a glove a leather robbery on Winnipeg's Adam Lowry's slot rebound chance a minute 45 seconds to the game's midpoint. Four seconds shy of four minutes after Carlson's marker, Vegas's Stevenson's inner circle slot 1T far side power play goal for his fourth of the series and second of the game completes the Vegas middle frame scoring. 4 nothing Vegas through 2. Winnipeg's Kyle Connor 6-on-5 center slot lifted blocker side goal ends Vegas goalie Laurent Brassois shutout bid with 5 minutes 48 seconds left in the third. Winnipeg's Pierre-Luc Dubois looks to bring Winnipeg closer jamming in a loose in the paint rebound goal with 2 minutes 35 seconds left. Vegas challenged successfully for a hand pass by Blake Wheeler off the Winnipeg faceoff win prior to the goal to negate it. Series analysis, I said in the preview, Winnipeg will need netminder Connor Halbach to be the team's MVP to advance. The game one win was the lightest workload the team in front of Halbach provided, and that was also the lone win. A shot shy of 40 on Halbach in game two, too shy of 50 for game three, both losses. However, the pivotal game four where Halbach faced 29, he simply was outplayed by his former teammate in Vegas's Laurent Brassois, and like the collective no-show for Game 5's elimination. Four goals against on 25 shots on goal against simply wasn't near good enough goaltending. I watched a motivated former Colorado backup goalie Seattle Philip Grubauer give his team the upset series win over Colorado. And likewise, I do think former Jet Vegas goalie Laurent Brassois especially was good in Games 3 and 4 played in Winnipeg. Don't discount his familiarity with the rink and the surroundings and atmosphere. It helps settle a slow, out-of-the-gate Vegas team, find its form. Brassois, unfortunately, would get injured in the next round versus Edmonton, but Vegas goalie Aiden Hill has shown even had Winnipeg got to Brassois, Vegas would have received the goaltending needed to advance. Winnipeg allowed Vegas to elevate their play, while Winnipeg goalie Connor Halbuck isn't to me why Winnipeg lost. He certainly didn't steal a game to give Winnipeg an opportunity to win the series. Defense Winnipeg Josh Morrissey had an assist in three games played, coming off a career year before his early injury in Game 3. While Winnipeg did mount to come back to force overtime, then lose without JMO, the team's only top pair defenseman lost for the series has a greater impact than a team that is built to better handle missing that game-breaker and time-on-ice minute muncher. Neil Pionk was most required to step up and with seven assists, he finished the top Winnipeg in points for the series. Likewise, Brendan Dillon, Dylan DeMello, Nate Schmidt, and rookie Dylan Sandberg, with Logan Stanley and Kyle Capo Bianco each getting a game in a series once Josh Morrissey was unavailable. The advantage favored Vegas' D group that included prior cup winners Alex Petrangelo and Alex Martinez. 
course, that Holdy group now is Cup champions. Shea Theodore missed a game played in the series, yet Brady McNabb, Zach Whitecloud, and Nick Hag, as well as Ben Hutton's one game played in the series, along with the goaltending, kept Winnipeg to two goals against or less in three of the series' five games. Vegas had 19 goals for and had one game with less than four, the game one loss. Winnipeg's 14 goals for for the series included five in game one, their lone win. Nine goals over the subsequent four losses. That's barely over two goals per game and means your goalie needs to allow one goal or fewer to turn those losses into wins. I said in the preview that at full house, the Vegas D group has to be given the edge over Winnipeg, and Winnipeg lost its top D-man, while Vegas, a game for a top four by comparison. Only standout goaltending could have compensated for that, and it didn't occur. First, as we talk offense, I'm here all day for Adam Lowry and his team leading four goals in the series and point-per-game output. That amongst forwards was only bettered by Blake Wheeler's six points in five games played, including two goals. However, Winnipeg's third-line center led the team in goals, and if you don't see how that can be problematic, I can't help you. It is. Likewise, Wheeler certainly provided the value his contract production-wise you would want to see. However, the trio of 42 regular season goal getter Mark Shifley, Kyle Connor, 31 goal regular season, and Pierre-Luc Dubois' 27 goal regular season are who should be leading Winnipeg offensively in the series. That's also not the case. Casey had three and four points in five games played and was the best of the expected to be impact Winnipeg players. Dubois stood out only in game one where he had one of his two goals in the series and was not good in the losses. Shifley had a goal in four games played prior to his injury that essentially means he, except for a minute 40, really only played three fully. Yet would Shifley, had he been healthy, contributed more? He was rather quiet prior to his getting injured. It's wishful thinking to assume he would have broken out. Dubois had that one Columbus series aura that, while quite honestly, has never looked to duplicate. This Winnipeg strength up the middle of PLD, Shife, and Laos had Lowry bring it, the higher paid two centers, effort and production less, and it can't be, and they were less than, and that's a big reason Winnipeg lost. Secondary scoring besides Laos is just Nino Niederreiter and Kevin Stenland, who each had a goal. Therefore, the top guys needed to drive it more so and didn't. As Vegas's Mark Stone's tough first game back showed Winnipeg getting Nick Ehlers for the elimination game still showed he needed more time to get back up to playoff pace without the runway to do so. Vegas's top six guys filled the net by comparison, led by William Carlson and Chandler Stevenson with four goals each, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, three goals each, and not that I will list the contributors of secondary scoring, but Vegas had more of it from more players that is overall reflective of a deeper team through four lines that had its big-time players be more impactful at the same time as well. Finally, Vegas reconfirms that deeper D group and forward group reality by winning this series largely because of 5-on-5 play. Winnipeg had 5 power play goals, 5 for 12, while Vegas was 3 for 16. Winnipeg lost game 2 and 4 in the series with a specialty team's advantage in those games. And Winnipeg, in game 5, was unable to draw a Vegas penalty. That's not a shot at the officials, it's a shot at the effort because that's the explanation as to why Winnipeg didn't draw a penalty. I certainly feel Winnipeg would have benefited from rookie Cole Perfetti returning from injury 
but I don't when I look at the overall group's play think that would have changed the course of the series. Vegas, after a sluggish game one, elevated it as a group and took it to Winnipeg to make quick work of round one. Vegas coach Bruce Cassidy made adjustments, including taking vet forward Bill Kessel out for the series clinching game five. That saw Vegas forward Will carry a return to Vegas's lineup. Winnipeg coach Rick Bonus was required because of injuries to make lineup choices, but within the game itself, you have to tip the cap to Vegas's Cassidy for his adjustments over Bonus's ones. Yet, the sheer number of passengers Winnipeg had, it's hard to ignite that required spark as the series wore on. Winnipeg finished 46 33 395 points, a 579 point percentage in the full 82 games played, fourth in the Central Division, 36 regulation wins, five game round one series loss to Vegas that we just recapped. A year ago, Winnipeg ran it back with a new coaching staff. I suggested making changes, including moving goalie Connor Hellebuck and stripping it down to a smaller core, and maybe not the extreme like Chicago did, a full teardown, but take a run at landing Connor Bedard. No dice. Winnipeg already had, at last year's draft, the agent rumblings of Pierre-Luc Dubois wanting to play for the Canadians and not re-upping in Winnipeg long-term. Questions surrounded Captain Blake Wheeler staying, who was stripped of his captaincy before the past season began. The known list this offseason of the players in the final years of their current deals asking to be dealt are goalie Connor Hellebuck, forward Blake Wheeler, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and Mark Scheifele. It's player-driven, not team-driven, and Winnipeg somehow wants to stay competitive. Those type of changes won't make it easy. Winnipeg has a knowledgeable hockey fan base with great in-depth local coverage. Its division rivals you have to dig a bit deeper to find for its teams, and a few don't have easily accessible hockey content. And yet, at the root of my argument is I wouldn't let the current Winnipeg GM, Kevin Shoveldayoff, be making the moves, and he's going to get that chance, based on my underwhelmed valuation of his previous ones. If Goey Hellebuck, Wheeler, and Shifley near most notably identify with the GM as his core players, and his last blockbuster, Alanda Dubois, at the cost of two NHL-ready players and Patrick Laine and Jack Roslevic, to not secure a long-term deal for Dubois, while the traded-away players did sign multi-year extensions in Columbus, Laine for four years prior to last season. Therefore, at this point, if I were the owner, I would not keep GM Chevy. Sorry, starting to feel a little Bob Marley in here. I would have tapped Rick Bonus on the shoulder to be dual role to transition to GM from coach to replace Shovel Day Off to a year from now move Scott O'Neill to head coach while adding this summer James Patrick, former Western Hockey League Winnipeg Ice head coach as that team relocated without him and make him an assistant with Winnipeg's NHL team. Because he is a development player coach and Winnipeg's an NHL team who subscribes to the draft and development model. It's a good fit. Now, had this been done, and it's not, then for the upcoming season, because Bones workload with GM duties, you would want another coach to take responsibilities to free Bonus up. Also, I probably would have rang, now recently hired, Calgary assistant GM Dave Nonis for a similar-like role in Winnipeg to help Bones at GM.
Now, my preference was to re-sign goalie Hellebuck. Not happening. So the attending in Winnipeg is up in the air. Who is playing in that for Winnipeg next season is more important than where Helly lands, except for the return. It occurs to me a Vesna winner, multi-nominated one such as Hellebuck, will be sought by a team that needs a goalie upgrade, and then Hellebuck will get it. For Winnipeg, I don't want a goalie back in a heli deal because that's the reason the team is trading for Hellebuck. So much like revisiting the Line A Dubois deal where I wanted to move Line A to Florida for right-hand defenseman Aaron Ekblad. It's that type of a key piece I want from a team needing a goalie because that team likely has a quality top pair right-hand defenseman more than a goalie right now. Where I want to land my Winnipeg goalies from for next season is teams with an excess of them. Winnipeg backup goalie David Riddick is also an unrestricted free agent who, well, I'll be honest, after his season prior in Nashville, I wouldn't have signed. And Winnipeg would have draft and develop goalie Eric Comrie re-signed. But I digress. I've identified three teams with NHL goalies in excess. The cup-winning Vegas team, Divisional Arizona, and Buffalo. Vegas probably wants to re-sign now cup winner Aiden Hill, and that probably makes one of Logan Thompson two years at what I thought is below the actual league minimum contract good, 766K AAV, or former Winnipeg backup who just beat the Jets, Laurent Brassois. In fact, I'd go just under 3 million AAV to get Brassois to return to Winnipeg, and he'd also be signing knowing that he's getting the opportunity to be playing a key role. If both Vegas goalies have clean bills of health anticipated for next season, that's the start of my near-to-split-duty new tantum, either one of Thompson via trade or Brisson free agency. And I look back at when Rick Bonus coached Dallas in the shortened season at the game split and check it out between Anton Hudobin and now Dallas starter Jake Oninger. The other goalie that I would get for Winnipeg is one of two restricted free agent goalies in Arizona. Connor Ingram, 26, and mostly AHL thus far, Ivan Prosvitov, 24. I don't want Karel Vimelka. Although at $2.725 million per, I don't hate it, except I really want a younger goalie than Veggie, 27, given I'd have acquired Thompson or Brassois as well. Otherwise, Buffalo has a trio and it's likely former Jet goalie Eric Comrie one year at $1.8 million that ends up the odd goalie out with Buffalo having Uko Pekka Lukonen and having signed draft pick Devon Levi. What I'm mapping is to low-cost my goalies after moving on from Hellebuck to have a tantum for less than $5 million total that, well, if both goalies are competitive, in the case of both Brassois and Comrie having played in Winnipeg, I think it's capable. Winnipeg needs to draft more goalies to find their next Connor Hellebuck. NHL insider Pierre Lebrun this past week reported New Jersey had a conversation on acquiring Hellebuck that had New Jersey not already traded right-hand defenseman Damon Severson to Columbus. That would have excited me. I don't want 3.4 million AAV for two years of New Jersey goalie Vitek Vanacek, 27. Nor do I have interest in restricted free agent goalie Mackenzie Blackwell, 26. And taking limited NHL experience prospect Akira Schmidt, 23, in return is also risky. This is why a top pair D-man is my key piece in a heli return package. If Winnipeg could have got Severson, another top nine forward and a second round pick, then I'd have made that deal. 
of the D on New Jersey now, it's left-hand D options that Winnipeg doesn't need. So I'm not liking New Jersey as a trade partner. In fact, if forced to target a D to get in return, it's future right-hand defense prospect Simon Nemich, 19, of most interest than a current roster D-man. Could you deal Goy Helbuck for now eight-year sign forward Jesper Bratt, 24, and Nemich? That is a deal I do. Now, my Vesna winningless goalie tantum needs GM Chevy to do what he hasn't been able to do, construct a proper D group that allows lesser tenders, less workload to be able to win now. To simplify on left-hand D, I'm happy with Josh Morrissey on the top pair and Brendan Dillon and Dylan Sandberg slotting second or third pair based on play. Sandberg is a restricted free agent who needs a new deal this summer. To upgrade this D is finding a top pair right handy for JMO. Tired of saying that for years. Then finding proper complements for the second and third pairings. I think I'd retain Dylan DeMello if I have to pick one on the right side, but I look to move on from Nate Schmidt, a left handy playing right handy, and yes, Neil Pionk, both with two years term to go. Neither who fully complement being paired with any three of the left-handy Winnipeg ought to boost up, and it needs an upgrade. My feeling is Winnipeg, while losing Hellbuck, they'll bring the same D-group back that needs an upgrade, and that's not a good combo. Winnipeg has 7th left-hand defense slotted Kyle Capobianco under contract for one more year as well. If Winnipeg can move on from restricted free agent Logan Stanley, who also, rumors said, wanted a trade, I'm good with that for a similar age defenseman. I'd even free Vili Hanola for a return. I'd like Winnipeg to have more than just right-hand D prospect Elias Solomonson, 19, who's years out. Simon Lundmark, 22, has received little attention while playing the last two seasons with the Manitoba Moose, so not sure the timeline on his development curve to potentially be an NHL defenseman. Back to left-hand D, Josh Morrissey, and top prospect Philly Hanola. If the blue chipper is like your only top pair guy skill set wise and both left-hand D, if you're keeping Hanola as well, and I think he can reach top four second pairing value, again, it's back to reinforcing puck moving with size right-hand D to complement them. Sandberg is bigger and he might be the actual top four guy after Dylan's final year. What doesn't work is in fact DeMello as anything but a bottom pair NHL D with a good size skill left-hand D such as Sandberg or Dylan, but not Pionk and Nate Schmidt. They are capable NHL D-men that also need left-hand D bigger size complements. It's why both always look best playing with Brendan Dillon in the Winnipeg scheme. They both can't do it. And it's a whole bunch of too much of the same thing. Get me St. Louis right-hand D Colton Perengo, of course, as I said that years ago. That's the comparables Winnipeg needs to acquire. Unrestricted free agent right-hand defenseman Matt Dumba that Minnesota can't seem to retain due to cap constraints is an unrestricted free agent I would target. I think I will suggest that to half the Central Division teams potentially. What's Winnipeg forward group look like next year is anyone's guess. Would Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers make good line mates or do they each need complementary players around them to form separate lines? Does Cole Perfetti fit better on a line with KC or Ehlers? 
I'd hesitate to put them all together, but the playmaker Perfetti would have a pair of high-skill goal-getters. It's just not a lot of size to the line. And he's been on the wing, not playing NHL center yet. Left wing that can play right wing, Nino Niederreiter, has to be worked into that mix. And Winnipeg needs to find centers with top six value if PLD and Shifley move on. There's more fans in Winnipeg that want Lowry playing fourth line center than elevating him to second center. But his current spot is ideal. And in fact, restricted free agent, left winger Morgan Barron needs a new deal. However, right wing Mason Appleton is under contract, and that trio might benefit Winnipeg keeping intact. Restricted free agent Kevin Stenlet is a fourth liner, or third liner in injuries is the other restricted free agent to me that has to be signed. Injury cut short now, unrestricted free agent Sam Gagne's here, but also Vlad Nemestikov, Saku Menelainen, Axel Johnson Fialbi, and Carson Kuhlman are also unrestricted free agents. There was a need for more goal production from the bottom six that you need to change the mix. And I don't know if you could wholesale do it. I might. But I definitely would limit re-signings to three or less. Winnipeg does also have center David Gustafson under contract next season for the roster. He also is still in search of his second NHL regular season goal. He's played 74 regular season NHL games. With the changes, will there be a spot for sent to the American Hockey League and then lead the Moose in scoring left center Jansen Harkins next year? And where would you put him into this mix? Reports are LA is making a play to obtain PLDS per 32 Thoughts Elliot Friedman. Montreal, of course, a known player destination. Helps Winnipeg in its return, hopefully. Wheeler's contract is his drawback. Can Winnipeg do salary retention similar to how Nashville moved Ryan Johansson to Colorado? And a Mark Shifley trade? I haven't a clue what that looks like, but here's one idea, or a couple. Could you get right-wing center Sam Reinhardt and right-hand defenseman Brandon Montour for Shifley and a second or, say, with left-hand D, Logan Stanley tossed in? Reunite Shife with Pomo so they can make amends on the former Winnipeg coach's exit? Another idea was, with an offensive approach being taken in Nashville, do they have interest having moved Johansson for a center? Winnipeg then could trade Shifley for one of Nashville's first, 15th, or 24th pick via Edmonton in this year's draft, and maybe get Philip Tomasino 21 or Winnipeg or Cody Glass 24 as another piece. Then Winnipeg could try to flip the pair of picks to, say, select closer to the top 10 because they want to draft players who are closer to being ready to play. Not sure this year anyone is going to want to fall back, but Shifley to Nashville really, to me, makes a lot of sense. I just don't know the return. It's unlikely, but part of suggesting adding right-hand D. Pareko is that he's a cup winner, and although health concerns exist, maybe adding unrestricted free agent center Winnipeg Jonathan Taves would be smart, help teach players to be better at face-offs. If he is able to play, he gives you still second-line playable value, but could also then slot as a center for one of Kyle Connor or Nick Ehlers. It's a huge risk, but the benefits, even if Taves played a reduced regular season schedule, but brought his captain of a multi-cup winning skill set back to Winnipeg. Maybe a half season of Perfetti and Taves each, given Perfetti's injuries already, gives a season's worth of top six playable center value. 
and trust me, Taves here to help Perfetti's development curve, is my primary reason for thinking Winnipeg ought to. Again, the sure requested changes at goal and key forwards means Winnipeg needs to reimagine its roster. Never mind group. But my worry is the status quo with only, say, D. Logan Stanley of the D group won't offset the situation in net Winnipeg's about to face. There needs to be a revamp right-hand D with Hellbuck gone and finding complementary forwards for Kyle Connor and Nick Ehlers through the PLD Shifley and Wheeler deals if it's possible. Winnipeg, 23 NHLPA jobs are here, and often that leads to a big contract somewhere else after you come play in the peg. Winnipeg might relocate also, as to me they came out and said. When True North Sports and Entertainment also has seen what Ottawa was just sold for, and there's an NBA owner in Utah that wants to bring the NHL to his market, and expansion isn't on the horizon yet, Salt Lake might like how good the Utah Jazz team sounds with a Utah Jets team. Winnipeg's division head-to-head record was 18-8-0. I kept track of the division head-to-head records from a year ago. About the only conclusion is that the teams that made the playoffs were over 654 point percentage. Winnipeg just shy of 700 point percentage. Interdivisionally, it still wasn't chronological based on those in-division records. In fact, Winnipeg did third best record-wise in the division games, yet finished fourth in the division standings. 2023 NHL draft Winnipeg slots into the 18th with their first round pick as of playoff teams. Florida making the finals with fewer regular season points had only the Isles in the playoffs with fewer than Winnipeg. That put Winnipeg with Florida's success in one better spot than had Florida been eliminated in the first round like Winnipeg and the New York Islanders were. Up next, we actually take a deep dive back into last year's regular season play with team-focused pods for non-playoff Central Division teams, Nashville, St. Louis, Arizona, and Chicago, while we look at their off-seasons. Thanks for listening.